Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. The Eagles cancel a party with Donnie Trump. And he's not happy about it. Hey, what do you say, folks? It is Tuesday. Here we go. Tuesday, June 5. Uh, Yep, we're already into this big uh, week after um, the first week of the month of June and after the uh, Congress had its uh, long Memorial Day break. Back and back at work uh, on Capitol Hill, uh, down at the uh, Capitol building, just down the street from us here in our studio on Capitol Hill, and also back to work down at the White House and in Singapore, where they are laying plans for the big summit, which will take place, it looks like, one week from today. We still don't know where they're going to meet in Singapore. They're still going to know, not know how big the table's going to be, how many people are going to be around it, what shape the table's going to be, but all that stuff is being worked out right now. I don't know yet whether they know who's going to pay for Kim Jong-un's hotel room. <coughs> Maybe he'll have to bunk up with a couple of other people there, uh, you know, like... Uh, well, that'll happen. Yeah, like, you know, one of those student uh, <laughs> student dorms. Oh, or, yeah, like the hostels. Ho- the yeah, yeah, sure. Totally. Youth, ho- youth hostel, right. Totally. <laughs> At any rate, we got that. And then, yep, after denying it for a year, the White House now admits that they lied for a year about who wrote that memo about the big Donald Trump Jr. meeting at Trump Tower, who wrote that memo on Air Force One. Yeah, it turns out it was the president himself who dictated it. Yep, they lied for a whole year. Now they say, oh, that might have been just a mistake. Hmm. One great big fat, one more great big fat lie. Lots and lots to talk about, folks. That's why it's good to have you with us today. Again, as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., and look forward to hearing from you about what this all means to you. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll get right into it. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news last night here in Washington, D.C., 
It was game four of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. How did the Washington Capitals do? Capitals showing the Ovechkin at center point formation here. As Kuznetsov goes cross ice, Carlson scores from Ovechkin's office. Carlson makes it four. Nothing. Washington and the Golden Knights are headed toward the brink late in the second period in game four. That was John Carlson scoring a goal to make it four to nothing for the Capitals. The final score ended up being six to two. So both of them scored a few more. This means that the Washington Capitals lead that series three games to one. All they need, Bill, is one more win to win the Stanley Cup finals to get that monkey off of their back. Game five happens on Thursday night in Las Vegas. If the Capitals win, that's it. That's it. They win. So there are some people who want to see the Capitals lose in Game 5 so that when they win... It'll be back here. It'll be back here. There's only one game in Vegas? Yeah, well, so it they go back and forth and sort of give Vegas has the home, the home ice advantage. So yeah. they did two games in Vegas, two games in D.C. Then it goes back right. to Vegas, yeah. back to D.C., and then back to Vegas if they need a Game 7. So, right. Uh, I got to tell you, that was so exciting. I watched like two minutes of the game. Yeah. The, the uh, toward the end of the first uh, period. Oh man! And I watched him score two goals. It was electric. Yeah. I, w- I watched the same thing. I never, ever, ever watched two hockey. goals in that time. I mean, boom, it was just boom, incredible. Boom! Yeah, they were really killing it last night. And by the way, good for those announcers who can keep up with that puck. Those guys. Seriously. Uh. <laughs> I can't see the damn thing. I mean, the, the announcers for hockey are the most animated announcers I've ever heard in sports. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Anyway, so go go, Caps. One final quick story. Netflix announced yesterday they have greenlit an anthology series all about the life and times of Dolly Parton. It'll be an eight-part series. Oh. It'll feature music uh, in, in, in each of the uh, uh, shows. Each se- uh, episode will revolve around one of her famous songs, so... I'm a big Dolly Parton fan. I will absolutely oh, watch I it. am too. Yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, uh, anybody got a used mattress they'd like to sell? Um, Scott Pruitt's looking for one. He's uh, <laughs> he's trying to furnish his apartment in Washington D.C. Hey, Scott, why don't you try the uh, Trump Hotel? Yeah, they got a few. <laughs> uh, they got a few that uh, m- might have been peed on. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> what do you say, everybody? No. It is. The Bill Press Show. Here we go. <laughs> On a Tuesday, June 5, coming live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Here we are uh, with all the news of the day. Looking at you on Free Speech TV, coming to you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, and joining you on the radio, on the radio out in uh, statewide in Indiana, Indiana Talks. And how about it? Chicago, you're looking great today on WCPT. Thank you for joining us on the great progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT, and all of our good friends out there. Uh, We have lots and lots and lots to talk about. Good lineup of guests today. Brad Woodhouse, you know him from former uh, Democratic strategist, former communications director for the DNC. 
He's now with a group called Protect Our Care, all about keeping Obamacare going. Brad Woodhouse joining us. Uh, these elections, uh, is there a new way and a better way to do them? Well, one group called Fair Vote thinks so. It's called Ranked Voting. Uh, Rich Ritchie's going to be here, head of that group, to tell us uh, all about it, how it might work. Uh, and then Emily Atkin, the science reporter for the re- for the uh, New Republic, will be in as well to bring us up to date on the latest with Scott Pruitt. Yes, indeed. Good to have you with us again, and we always want to hear from you what you think about the news of the day. So get ready to sound off if you haven't already done so. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Yes, indeed, we've told you many times that Donald Trump resembles nobody so much as a spoiled brat. Boy, that proved uh, true again yesterday, or was it early this morning? I forget exactly when that tweet came out. Uh, Donnie, little Donnie, down at the White House was going to throw a party for some friends. Yep, it was going to be a party all about himself, of course. Uh, And guess what? His friend said, We've had enough of his bragging, and we've had enough of his um, attacking us, by the way. Uh, and so we're not going to go to his party. And, of course, I'm talking about the Eagles, who won the NFL championship, invited to the White House, as presidents usually do, uh, Donald Trump. It was not going to be like with President Obama. I went to many of those in the East Room of the White House. And they were fun affairs and everything. No, Donald Trump was going to do it out on the South Lawn with a Marine band and the whole great big thing and make it a great big deal. Uh, the problem is he has spent a lot of his time, of course, attacking NFL players, uh, saying that they were not true Americans, they were not patriots, um, ignoring um, the protests that some of them were, I think, very legitimately making about the fact that uh, we are doing nothing in this country about indiscriminate killing of young black men by police officers, and they're getting away with it. This is an issue we should be paying some attention to. So, as we know, a couple of them took a knee, then a few more took a knee, and then Donald Trump made it a great big federal affair, uh, accusing these players of not loving their country, of not loving the military. If they didn't stand with their hand over their heart during the singing of the national anthem, he's the one who made it a huge big issue. And the Eagles finally yesterday said, well, put it this way, the Eagles had a meeting, right? They, they said, the, the coaches and the players, they all got together. Okay, we're invited to the White House. What do we want to do? And basically they said, okay, we'll all go to Washington, and everybody can decide if they want to go to the White House or if they want to go do some public service work down here uh, as a different kind of a message. Fewer than 10 players and coaches, fewer than 10 said, we'll go to the White House. It it really needs to be uh, mentioned that NFL football teams, you're looking at a giant group of people that usually go to the White House. Oh, yeah. Someone put up a side-by-side of the people. There would have been 50 people there if the whole squad had gone. More than that. Yeah. More more. more than that. Yeah. Because you've got a full team, plus you've got a giant thing of coaches. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there are pictures of the Patriots, right, when they went a couple years ago, and they're down in front, they're all the way up the stairs on the front uh, lawn there, the, the 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 front area. And then last year, there were less players that went, and you could see that it was a smaller group, but still a large group of players. By the way, less than 10? Less than 10. Less than 10. By the way, didn't um, Brady not go? Brady did not go. When Obama was president. He didn't go when Obama was president, and he didn't go when Trump was president. Right, either. for a different reason. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, the, the reason is probably his agent was like, hey, uh, yeah. yeah By the way, there is a long history, long history, and there are several articles this morning that talk about this, of players for different teams, different sports, not going to a White House reception for whatever reason, scheduling, political reasons or whatever. But when they get down to fewer than 10, this was would have been embarrassing. So Donald Trump canceled. Well, actually, they canceled on him. That's the point. They really canceled on him. They had a choice to go. They decided not to go. So then Donald Trump pretended that he canceled on them, but he said he's still going to have a party anyway without them. Here's his nasty tweet that he put out uh, on, on the, when, when he announced this. Yeah, I, I want to read, first of all, his statement, because he put out a statement yeah. first. Right. And it said, quote, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles are unable to come to the White House with their full team to be celebrated tomorrow. Yeah. They disagree yeah. with their president. Because he insists that they proudly stand for the national anthem, hand on heart, in honor of the great men and women of our military and the people of our country. The Eagles wanted to send a smaller delegation, but the thousand fans planning to attend deserve better. And then he goes on to say that there's going to be another celebration today, which I Mm -hmm. really can't wait to see. Later on last night, uh, late night, he tweeted, the Philadelphia Eagles football team was invited to the White House. Unfortunately... Only a small number of players decided to come, and we canceled the event. Staying in the locker room for the playing of our national anthem is as disrespectful to our country as kneeling. Sorry. So So he's taking it well. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But here's the problem. First of all, there is a very, very legitimate issue that is being raised by these players that... Barack Obama didn't do enough about, but Donald Trump doesn't even acknowledge, doesn't even recognize. And that, again, is a a police brutality in this country, which continues. We I I forget that exact quote, but since uh, Colin Kaepernick took the first knee, it's something like 300 over 300 young black men unarmed, shot and killed by police officers in this country. And for uh, 99 percent of those cases, the police officers have gotten away with it. And nothing has happened in terms of better training or better recruitment or cleaning the bad apples out of the out of the police departments, or or just recognizing this as a problem, uh, and prosecuting some of those people and getting them off the force and sending a message: this is not allowed. Number one. Number two. Donald Trump is redefining patriotism. We've been over this so many times. Patriotism is what he says it is, and to him, patriotism is a very, very, very narrow thing. Patriotism is about standing for the national anthem, putting your hand over your heart. And according to Donald Trump, if you do not do that, you don't love your country and you don't love the military. And I'll say it again. The national anthem has nothing to do with the military. It is not a celebration of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, or any of them. God love them. We respect them all. We just celebrate celebrate Memorial Day and give them a great big vote of thanks, those in uniform today and those in uniform yesterday. The national anthem is not about them. Play the, the Army song or play Anchors Away if you want to celebrate them. I don't know if you it's noticed. Just, it's so wrong. I, I, don't, I don't know if you noticed last night when you were watching hockey. Uh, I watched the uh, pregame stuff, and they do the national anthem. 
And this is something that happens at sporting events, right? Yeah. Especially if you're I, in Baltimore. By the way, I heard it. I was yeah. at my WordPresser. Carol had the game on. I okay. Heard. This yeah, happened at, o, at, at, at Orioles games in Baltimore, yes, right? Yes. With the O. Oh. oh. Yeah, with yeah. The, yeah. yeah. All right. So when they said Rockets red glare, the caps are rock the red. They wear red when they play at home. And the entire stadium of mostly white people screamed Rockets red glare. They all together just yeah. screamed red, right? Yeah. So is that disrespecting the troops as well? According to Donald Trump, it is. Maybe, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, nothing to do with it. At any rate, a, a, a really childish show of peak on the part of little Donnie Trump. And you know what? Good for the Eagles. Good for the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't go to I wouldn't go to a stupid party either. Um but I have told you this before. I have great respect for the presidency of the United States, the office of the president of the United States. If Donald Trump walked in a room and I was there, which I have done, by the way, I will stand. He's the president of the United States. But I wouldn't cross the street to shake hands with him. No, hell no. Mm-mm, no way. No. I mean, if he came to me and tried to shake my hand, I would shake his hand. But I would not go out of my way to shake his hand. And if I were the eagle, I would not go out of my way to go to the White House to make it, again, it's all about him. That's why he's pissed off, because he wants to stand with, he wants that photo op of st- the Eagles standing with him and and standing for the national anthem, and they're just not going to give him that satisfaction. Bravo. Yeah. I mean, Bravo. This is, this is also, this also hits on the theme of people wildly overestimating the damage that can be done to your career by dodging Donald Trump. Right, yeah. like you can do that. Yeah, I wish members of Congress had the balls God. that the Eagles have. Amen. You know, seriously, I wish they would say, "No, we're not going to play this game, Donnie. I don't care. I may be a Republican, but you know, you're not. I'm not. I'm not going to follow you down this path. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're gross. You know, you're mean. You're cruel. Uh, I'm just not going to go there. Yeah, the Eagles are saying, "No, we're better than you are." And these members of Congress, they're just like little puppy dogs. Um, they they run along. And by so, the way, if Donald Trump wants to get into a fight with Philadelphia <laughs> Eagle fans, that is a fight he will lose. Yeah, <laughs> they are the, Philadelphia sports fans are the craziest people on the planet. But you also know a lot of those sports fans are Donald Trump supporters. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. sure. And they can't they can't like this at all. No. no. Um, by the way, this is also a slap at the NFL leadership, which is as cowardly as you can get who really went along with this new rule saying that the players have to be out on the field and have to stand for the uh, national anthem. So the Eagles are saying we've got enough of this nonsense from Donald Trump and from the NFL. Good for them. Back to the uh, Mueller investigation, by the way. Back to Donald Trump. What a day the last couple of, uh, the last couple of days and over the weekend with this massive assertion Talked about this yesterday, but I got to come back to it in a couple of senses. This massive assertion of unlimited presidential power. I mean, it's incredible what they are asserting. It violates everything we thought that this country stood for in terms of no person is above the law. The White House is asserting and has asserted. Donald Trump himself, his attorneys, his outside attorneys, his in-house attorneys are all asserting that the president, remember what we said yesterday, that they have said the president cannot be charged with a crime. He could commit murder. He could not be charged with a crime. 
He cannot be charged with obstruction of justice. He cannot be charged with any violation of the law. He is above the law, say, so far that he could even pardon himself. Donald Trump saying that yesterday. And, and, and for example, talk about obstruction of justice. Now there's one big issue. For the last, okay, let's zip back here. June 9, 2016, Donald Trump Jr. has a meeting at Trump Tower with Russian operatives. By the way, we never knew about this meeting until the New York Times reported it. When they said they were going to report it, they told the White House they said they wanted a response. And the response came from the White House that, yes, this was a meeting about adoption. These Russians came over to talk about rules related to adoption, which had resulted in some sanctions against Russia and making it more difficult for American families to adopt kids from Russia. That's what, that's what the official word came out of the White House, a statement. Uh, and that was reported for a while until the New York Times, <laughs> again, a couple of months later, broke the story that, ah, uh, we've learned that this meeting wasn't about adoption at all. It was about getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. At which point, Donald Jr., remember this history, Donald Jr. released the emails leading up to the meeting, which showed that, in fact, it had been set up by a publicist in the U.K. working for a big Russian oligarch who sponsored the Miss Universe pageant in Moscow in 2013. And he promised Donald Trump Jr., I'm going to bring a couple of people in here if we can meet with you. We've got dirt on Hillary that Russian hackers have discovered. And Donald Trump said in this email chain, which he released, if that's what it is, I love it. I, I, I love that you reminded us Bring of that. it on. He is the one that released this. He is the one that released these emails. Okay? The dumbest Trump son. The right. dumbest Trump child. But still, this question about where was this, what about this memo that said it was all about adoption? That was written, we knew, we found out, for, on Air Force One when Donald Trump was flying home from a trip to Europe, I think his first trip to Europe. And so the question again was, who wrote this? I remember Sean Spicer said proudly at the time, I was at the briefing, I was in the back of the plane. I don't know anything about it. He was glad not to be part of the action Smart. on that. But here's what the White House said at the time. The question was, did Donald Trump maybe himself write this? Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, he certainly did not. He didn't dictate. So that's what she said. Uh, his lawyer, Jay Sekulow, said the president was, quote, the president was not involved in the drafting of that statement. Sekulow also said that was written by Donald Trump Jr., I'm sure, in consultation with his lawyer. Sekulow, quote, the president didn't sign off on anything. That's been for the last year they've been saying that. Two days ago, this letter comes out that Seculo and John Dowd wrote to Robert Mueller in January. Follow this now. And in that letter, they say he can't be charged with obstruction of justice. They say, for example, he wrote, he, Donald Trump, dictated that memo on Air Force One. He did it himself. And you might think that's obstruction of justice because he tried to mislead the special counsel. But even if you think that, you can't charge him with that. So in this memo two days ago, they totally contradicted what they've been saying for the last year. Now, do you think they're going to admit that they lied for the last year? 
That's what it was. It was a great big fat lie for one year about Donald Trump's role with this memo. He didn't help draft it. He dictated it. So this comes up yesterday at the briefing. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who said the exact opposite last July, will she admit that I lied to you? Will she admit that maybe she could say, I just told you what I was told, but obviously I was told the wrong thing? No, she just totally ducks it. If you say the one thing from the podium that it wasn't dictated by the president, and as long as you're saying something entirely different, contradict you, how are we supposed to know what to believe? How can we believe what you're saying from the podium if his lawyers are saying it's entirely inaccurate? Once again, I can't comment on a letter uh, from the president's outside counsel. I direct you to them to answer it. John. Notice, first of all, notice she just jumps right on to the next person. That's what she does all the time. She will give nobody a follow-up. And she, she doesn't answer the question, and then she'll give nobody a follow-up. So basically, she, she never answers any question. But in that case, this question was not, not about the outside counsel's letter. It was about her statement that said just the opposite. And that, that good question asked by Josh Crowley there from the—Josh from the, uh, Dowsey, I'm sorry, from the Washington Post is, how can we believe anything you say if— um, it turns out to be so many times turns out to be just totally the opposite. Rudy Giuliani last night on CNN, Chris Cuomo debuted his uh, his his new show, uh, evening show, um, and uh, so he <laughs> he's asking Rudy Giuliani. Now, now Rudy's not the one who originally said Trump had nothing to do with this, but what about the fact that the president's lawyers are lying? Why do you believe? that the White House team slash the Trump legal team before Rudy Giuliani, why do you think they chose to lie about his role in drafting this statement about Trump Jr.'s <laughs> meeting with the Russians? Chris, you, you think maybe somebody could have made a mistake? <laughs> it's a lot of mistakes. Why is it always, a lot of why, mistakes. Why is it always that somebody, you think Jay Sekulow lied? Maybe he just got it wrong. Like, like I've gotten, I got a few things wrong at the beginning of the investigation. Whoa, whoa. There's a big fat question. Do you think Jay Sekulow lied? Damn right. Do you think this known liar lied? Uh, yeah. Do you think Donald Trump lied? Absolutely. Do you think Sarah Huckabee Sanders lied? Yes. Do you think Jay Sekulow lied? Of course he did. Donald Trump lied. They all lie. Rudy, Rudy Giuliani lied. Rudy just laughs it off. Oh, yeah, it was just a mistake. For a year. So when did they discover, let's say if it was a mistake, when did they discover that it was a mistake? How long ago? And why did they wait until, boom, they're busted before they admit and then try to laugh it off as a mistake? Uh, that uh, I think this memo is going to turn out to be a big deal when it comes to the Mueller investigation. A couple of other things Mueller related, by the way, very quickly. Uh, Paul Manafort, uh, <laughs> he, he's been living the good life down in uh, Alexandria here while he's been under investigation and wait, awaiting trial for Robert Mueller. Uh, that may change. It turns out the Mueller prosecutors yesterday went to the judge and said Manafort has been trying to tamper with witnesses. He had hired a um, public relations firm to help him uh, lobby for the Ukraine uh, and secretly paid them something like 2 million euros. Uh, and um, Manafort's afraid that they might uh, be called upon by Robert Mueller to verify his work for Russian contacts as all part of the investigation. Uh, so Mueller, it turns out, 
He wasn't supposed to be talking to anybody about this case, but he has been making calls through intermediaries to this public relations firm in the Ukraine, telling them, uh, please say, here's what you have to say. You have to say that all the lobbying work you did was in Europe. You did no lobbying work in the United States, which is not true. Is that bad, so, tampering with witnesses? Um, is that a bad? Is that bad? I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. The translation is prison time. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. So what the Robert Mueller said yesterday, uh, that they asked the judge to either um, tell him to knock it off or take his freedom away from him and send him to prison where he could not be making all of these uh, telephone calls. Um, and the other question that we talked about yesterday, which came up at the briefing also through Meyer Lyason from NPR, which I thought was an excellent question, Donald Trump yesterday asserted, Peter, I think we, we saw that it just happened right at the end of our show. I think it was right after the show yesterday when when the latest assertion about the whole Mueller investigation. It's not just a witch hunt now. Donald Trump says it is absolutely unconstitutional. Yeah, as we were wrapping up our show yesterday, Donald Trump tweeted, the appointment of the special counsel is totally, all capital letters, unconstitutional. Despite that, we play the game because I, unlike the Democrats, have done nothing wrong. Yeah. So he's just going along with Robert <laughs> Mueller just to be nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Donald Trump's style. But the question that Mara asked us here, Huckabee Sanders, again, again, did not get an answer. I thought it was a good one. If really, if, if Donald Trump actually, if, they, if he and his lawyers believe it is unconstitutional, why haven't they challenged it in the courts? Why have they? Why have they really gone along with it? If if it's unconstitutional, right? and remember, this is Donald Trump's hour, but he's the president. It's his Justice Department that is pursuing this invest criminal investigation into Donald Trump. If it's really unconstitutional, why are they doing it, and why hasn't the White House challenged it? <clears throat> I think it belies. It just shows the, the stupidity um, and how wrong Donald Trump is. Sheldon Whitehouse, senator from Rhode Island, was asked yesterday. Several senators were asked to comment on this yesterday, but Sheldon Whitehouse, right on point, about whether or not you should believe Donald Trump uh, when he says something is uh, unconstitutional. I think he's intimated, by my count, six different legal and constitutional propositions, and I think he went 0 for 6. Yeah, 0 for 6. <laughs> That's a good reminder that he has no idea what he's talking about. Right. But even uh, even the Republican senators who were talked to yesterday said this idea that uh, Donald Trump should uh, pardon himself. Uh, no, no, not so. Not so good. Uh, by the way, yesterday also uh, just a couple of other things. Scott Pruitt, <laughs> you know, he's one, we know he's been in hot water for some time. Uh, for all of this money grubbing and and uh, all the money is spending on private planes and special phone booth built, soundproof phone booth. And he's got this apartment on Capitol Hill he's paying $50 in, or condo, $50 a night for uh, when he stayed in the condo. Um, finds out yesterday he was also, this is the latest sleaze he said, he's sending his aide aid out there from the, from the office to find him a used mattress for his apartment, right, so he can save some money. And, of course, where do they go? He sends them to go to the Trump International Hotel. You could not make this stuff up. <laughs> and he's shopping. It's insane. They're shopping for it. And this came out in testimony uh, to the Hill, or for, to Congress, from some 
EPA employees who were called in to say what's really going on uh, in in, uh, in Scott Pruitt's office. So I don't know whether he found a mattress or not. Or but you know what? I'm sure Donald Trump get. <laughs> <laughs> didn't give him a break on it. He probably no. charged him. <laughs> no, and it's really it's really cute how this guy yeah. who has racked up hundreds of thousands of dollars in bills to the federal government for, you know, his joyrides through town with his limousine. Yeah, the and 19 security agents and 19 vehicles. And, soundproof yeah. booth that he built and the uh, uh, astronomical amount of money he spent on just pens. Things like that, that now when it comes to his own money, he's looking for a break. He's looking for a cheap used mattress. And you're right. Donald Trump isn't going to give him a break. (laughs) Of all the people in the world who's going to help him out, are you kidding me? He's going to charge him double because it's been in the Trump hotel. It's worth more, Scott. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, after what we heard from the dossier tape and the golden shower thing, I would not buy any mattress from Donald Trump. Oh, boy. I'd be afraid of. Who's been on that at mattress and what's been done to it? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll, we'll leave that right there, folks. Uh, we're off and running on a Tuesday, June 5. Uh, Brad Woodhouse joining us next to tell us uh, how, how are things going with Obamacare? Is it still alive? And what's happening on the Democratic Party front here in the midterms 2018? Quick break. Right back on The Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. All right. On a Tuesday, June 5, it is uh, the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us today. Lots and lots to talk about. Of course, there always is in uh, Trump land. And that's where you find us, right in the heart of the action here in Washington, D.C. Coming to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the good men and women of the UFCW under Mark Perrone, President Mark Perrone. A proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for all of America's hardworking families. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program. Direct you to their website at ufcw.org. Well, look who's here. Joining us in studio, our good friend, Democratic strategist, now the campaign director for Protect Our... Yes. Protect, protect our care. Protect Absolutely. our care. Protect your care. All right. Yes, protect all of us. Brad Woodhouse, how you doing, Brad? I'm all caps. All right. All caps. Oh, all caps. All caps. We know what a day. you count when you're all caps. What a day. In a day. What? Yeah. I'm telling you, wasn't that a great game? It was that? It was unbelievable. I'm not a hockey fan, but I was just sitting on the edge of- Everybody's edge a hockey of, fan edge now. Of, oh, everybody's a hockey I was fan like, Brad, you and I are Southerners. We don't normally watch this <laughs> hockey stuff. No, no, not at all. But, but I watched last night. Hey, yeah. but there was Tampa and there's Las Vegas. I mean, right, got ice. You got ice today. Day where you, got, you don't think of ice. You have right? ice skating everywhere, right? I mean, you've had it in L.A. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but it, Peter it didn't tremendous. believe me when I said, oh, we'll give Vegas one, I, I one, one game, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll take all the rest. Right. Well, all, but I'm Peter perfectly didn't happy me. with that. I told somebody yesterday, I said, I'm not a hockey fan, but this town is too grumpy. And there's nothing that unifies us like sports. I said, yeah. if we could, if we could win this, I mean, that would be tremendous. I, you know, I, I'll tell you one. Thing, I saw, I just saw on television I said, that that scene. On F Street and yeah. G Street yeah. around the, uh, the the Verizon Center. Yeah, I don't. They don't call it that anymore. Whatever it is, Capital One. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. If Donald Trump had just had that many people at his inauguration, <laughs> can you imagine? Sean Spicer wouldn't have had to go out and lie to the world. I mean, you know. oh, it really is amazing because Capitals fans really Pardon. are of all the DC sports teams. Capitals fans are without a doubt the most rabid. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, no doubt. They, oh, they no are doubt. wild. I, I would agree with wild that. Wild fans. I agree and so with everybody that. else is just sort of like catching on to like it's infectious that yep, way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Peter, what do we got? We comments? got a couple of comments on Twitter. We've at been BP at this for a while show. before you got here. Oh, yeah. At BP Show. We got a comment about Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the White House press briefing saying, uh -oh. uh, why don't you all just walk out on her? Thank like you. The press just walk Thank out. you. That's exactly what I would do. Uh, I just don't go as much anymore because I can't stand it. Yeah. Uh, but that, Brad and I were just talking about yeah. that. You and I talked about it before the show. When she stiffs a reporter and moves on and won't answer a question, whoever she calls on next should say, no, answer his question first, please. Right. Uh, or ask the same question. Or right. ask the same question. Right. Ask the same just question. Just give their question up and just keep going and going and going. Yes, yes. Right. Say, and all of us, were going to they should band together, stick together. Right. That's always been the problem with the White House press corps. They don't. They yeah. will not. And they never have, and I don't think they ever will. While we're talking about sports, there's been some reaction to Donald Trump canceling oh, on the, the Eagles. Eagles. The Eagles no. were supposed to be here. Uh, <laughs> Tom says Trump in his statement referring to himself as their president. Yeah, yeah. What a little man, they say, well, about Donald Trump. What struck me about that statement was where he said, the. it was interesting, somebody pointed out, it was like he was in first person and third person in the same statement, but uh, pointed out that the president insists that they stand hand over heart for the national anthem, insists. I mean, this yeah. is the same day well, yeah, yeah. that he said that he was above the law. Now he's right. insisting private citizens do certain things it, it was it was extraordinary it was not an accident no it was not an accident no, 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 no. donald trump as we know he dictated the statement on trump tower i guarantee you he dictated that statement last night and he said that the president insists that nfl players stand uh, for the national and anthem you i got news for donald trump he can't insist that any american do, do anything. anything you're right absolutely you know, but, it's no, sick it, it is divine right. Yeah, these people are honest, and he believes he, he number one <coughs> believes it. By the way, one more uh, yeah. uh, comment from uh, Twitter at BP Show <laughs> at BP Show. Remember yesterday we put up a poll: Will Donald Trump try to pardon himself? Uh, we had several hundreds <laughs> like, of yeah, votes, like nine to one, wasn't it? It was. Pr well, you're exactly right. It ended up being ninety-one percent saying yes. Uh, so it was pretty pretty lopsided. Um, and uh, Christy Wessel says. Everything he says that he won't do, he ends up doing. So yeah. we'll just have to see. Find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Give us your comments. All right. Uh, we got lots to talk about. Yeah. Political stuff to talk about. But let's start <laughs> with your job, yeah. Obamacare. Absolutely. Is Obamacare, does this, is this still alive? Is this still out there somewhere? Well, look, I would say the short answer is, is uh, anything good going on in healthcare is because the law is solid and the law is durable. And anything go bad going on in health care is because Trump and Republicans have done everything they can to sabotage the system. So on the one hand, a good thing is that last year, as you know, millions and millions of people, you know, went over hot coals to enroll, that people want access to affordable yeah. health care. And it this was, was remarkable despite, how many. <clears throat> yeah, 12 million people. This was despite all the obstacles that were put in the way by President Trump. Right. He eliminated almost all advertising. He eliminated outreach. Shortened they the time period. Shortened the time period in in half from, uh, you know, and we, even with all from 180 days to 90 days, even with all that, millions and millions of people uh, signed up. 
the other thing to remember is that, that despite all the sabotage, millions and millions of people are benefiting from the protections. People that used to not have health care because they were denied based on a pre-existing condition have health care. Women who were discriminated because of their gender have health care. Young people who are just getting started in life are on their parents' policy. So there's all these protections. So the Affordable Care Act works, and it, w- it was working. It was on a glide path to work really well until Dr- Donald Trump became president. What we're dealing with now is the sabotage. They repealed the individual mandate, as you know, in the tax mm-hmm. bill, right. which is which was the provision that required people have insurance. It was it was the glue that that helped make sure that the system worked. That if insurance companies are gonna uh, are, are gonna risk their bottom lines to provide health insurance, they need a big pool of healthy and unhealthy uh, patients. And now, without the individual mandate, premiums are spiking. We learned. Uh, you know, we learned uh, that they may go up as much as 91 percent in mm. Maryland mm. Uh, on uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield PPO plan. And the, the insurance companies and the insurance commissioners will tell you almost in every case, it's because of the repeal of the individual mandate, the repeal of what's known as cost sharing reduction payments, which were those payments that help low income people keep uh, keep their uh, premiums and out of pocket costs low and that help the insurance companies. Uh, ameliorate uh, the, changes in the market. Are, are these the sub- <clears throat> subsidies? Um, well, the, the, those those were the, well. The the Republicans like to call those subsidies insurance companies. Oh. They were really pass throughs to low income okay. uh, people. They weren't yeah. the same as the actual subsidies. All right. But in any event, all of this sabotage is spiking premiums. So the thing that is so interesting, Bill, is, is that we have met with Democratic senators and House members uh, all over the Hill, and where in twenty. 10 or 2014, if you'd walked in one of their offices and says, say, you really need to go out and campaign on health care, they would have looked at you like you had horns coming out of your head. Democrats are campaigning on health care. They're eager to campaign on health care. And they're ter- and they're putting this, the shoe on this year. this year. And they're putting the shoe on the other foot where every time anywhere in the country premiums went up when Obama was in office. Uh, they blamed, Republicans blamed the Democrats. They said the law's a failure. Even though premiums were lower, the yeah. increase was yeah. lower than it yeah. had been previously. Yeah. Anytime premiums went, shoes on the other foot. Because the truth is, premiums are skyrocketing, and it's all because of Republicans. And Democrats are mounting that case state by state and race by race. I hope they can make that connection <clears throat> and, yeah. and, and and do make that connection yeah, yeah. because it, it is absolutely true. Yeah. Right. Now, are there any safeguards inside of Obamacare where you can, where you can prevent the insurance companies from raising rates that... Well, it, I, mean, it, I remember talking to Kathleen Sebelius yeah, yeah, yeah. about this way back when the law first became right. Well, it's it, it's real it's really hard in in this case because because changes in market conditions, um, the insurance companies go to the insurance commissioners in the states and they request uh, they have a preliminary filing in the spring and then the and then the they then they negotiate with uh, with the commissioners. Uh, in the states, and then in the fall, the actual rates for the next year come out. So some of what we're seeing now will change. In some cases, uh, in some cases, those rates even may go, may go higher. In some states, those rates may go lower. So they go in, in effect, and say, look, since everybody doesn't have to buy insurance right, now, right. there are not as many people in the pool, right. and the people who are in the pool are not the health, uh, the healthiest of people right. anymore, right. so we have to... We have to raise premiums. Uh, to be able for our bottom line, and right, right. And, and look, no, no one has any sympathy for the insurance companies, and uh, the insurance companies are largely what got us 
in this mess over the years. Absolutely, in the first uh, place, right. Th- right, because right, they fought every reasonable effort to reform the system. They fought, uh, they fought the implementation of the Affordable Care, or the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Now, after it passed, they looked at this system and thought, wait a minute, people were required to buy insurance, the pool was bigger, and you know, and they kind of back, they kind of backed off. So no one has any sympathy for the insurance companies, but they do have to make business decisions, and so they are raising premiums right now for all the factors that Republicans are responsible for. I must say, I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, I'm not saying they changed their mind, but I don't hear Donald Trump and I mm-hmm. don't hear congressional Republicans talking. Repeal Obamacare, yeah. repeal Obamacare, and it was every other word right. that they said for the first year right. or so. Well, don't be fooled. Uh huh. Don't okay. be fooled. It's in their, it's in their, it's in their DNA. And I, and and you know, uh, Trump talked about repeal. So they're on, just doing it sort of in a in a more hidden way. Well, I think uh, there are two things going on here. They are they are uh, repealing the affordable, or trying to repeal or sabotage the Affordable Care Act in a hidden way, doing it administratively doing it in the tax bill, which kind of covered up. Right. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that there was a big health care provision in the tax bill. That they, they took hundreds of billions of dollars and paid for tax cuts by taking away people's health care and spiking, uh, spiking premiums. But there's a group, um, Lindsey Graham, Bill Cassidy, the, the uh, Graham-Cassidy bill, it's coming back. They're going to – they may not reintroduce a bill this month, but they're going to come back – with a new set of principles for a new piece of legislation. The most interesting thing here is that, of all people, Rick Santorum is leading the charge. He has, uh, he's being funded by whoever, maybe the Koch brothers. He's Rick got a small Rick Santorum, <coughs> why doesn't he, he just he's, go away? He's really, he's he's saying we have to have this. This is what we need, uh, what we need to inspire the base. I do think that it's been such a political loser uh, that I think at least Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan realize that it would be political suicide to bring. Uh, that bill back to the floor, but I, I'll tell you this: they don't want that if they this, fa- right. this year, right? Right. But if they, I, fa- I don't think they want to bring it back before the elections because it has been a political loser. But their base wants it so bad that if they fare a smidgen better in this election than they're uh, than they're expecting to, I think they'll bring it up in the lame duck. I think they'll try to ram it through. I think it'll be the last gasp of uh, of Paul Ryan's speakership, if he's still around, uh, to try to repeal the Affordable Care Act in in the lame duck. Uh, you know, I was just wondering if Rick Santorum is doing this because he wants to, uh, of course, he wants to run for run president. Run for president again? He's been so successful at <laughs> yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, right. President Rick Santorum, that's a phrase you'll never hear. <laughs> um, uh, Virginia. Yeah. With expansion of Medicaid. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. Elections matter. Yeah. This is the thing this is a thing people need to recognize. People in California today and all the other states that are that are having primaries where we have an opportunity to set the table for uh for the fall is that elections matter. I mean, we 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 won the gubernatorial election in Virginia. The number one issue in the exit polls was health care. Yeah. And yeah. now and almost won the state house. Almost won. Almost won the state house. Yeah, right. Went to a flip of a coin, and yeah. uh, and and some poor election management. It sounds like we would have yeah. had had the votes to win there. Right. Um, you, you know, but so we won that election, and now Medicaid has been expanded. Four hundred thousand people in the state of Virginia are going to get health care, uh, affordable health care coverage that didn't have it. Elections matter. State state of New Jersey. Uh, and just, by the way, yeah. I've got to point out. That was under Obamacare. Right. Obamacare. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Medicaid so. expansion is part of the Affordable 
right. uh, the Affordable Care Act. We had a great victory yesterday in Maine. You know, we won the same time we won the Virginia governor's race. Maine passed a ballot measure to expand Medicaid. Well, the mini-me Trump governor there, uh, Paul LePage, oh, wouldn't God. implement it. Worst in the country. And it worst in the country. And yesterday, the courts in Maine gave them five, six days to, to come back to the court with a plan to expand Medicaid. What? They what? told the governor, yeah. no, the voters voted for this. You have to do it. And so they're going to expand Medicaid in Maine hmm. as a result of yeah, elections. Yeah, yeah. Elections matter. Right. You started yeah. to mention New Jersey? Some yeah, in New Jersey, we elected a Democratic governor. Yes. And in New Jersey, they're the first state to pass their own individual mandate since um, mm. since Republicans repealed the individual mandate uh, in, in the tax bill here in Washington. So they're going to require everybody there to have insurance. That's going to that's gonna make the pool bigger. That's going to make premiums lower yep. and health care better for people in New Jersey. It is amazing that after all that they've done, right, to try to really <laughs> kill mm-hmm. it, that it may not be in that great shape today. It's hurting in many respects, but still, Obamacare is there, and it's, it's still there. helping it's millions there and of people. It still helps, it helps millions and millions of people, despite uh, despite their sabotage. Which, incidentally, with a with a good with a good fall, and then maybe we'll have to wait until we get a Democratic president. But this, all this, can be reversed, and it can be reversed. Fairly quickly and fairly easily. Remember, a lot of this has been done, uh, been done through administrative fiat by the administration. So it could be done, uh, reversed by pre, uh, by a, a later uh, Democratic administration. Certainly, be reversed by Congress. Right. Okay. So uh, Brad Woodhouse with us here from Protect Our Care. You, um, but you've been right in the heart of the action at the DNC and a lot of other campaigns yep. for a long time. What's your gut tell you about 2018? How do you how are you feeling? I, I feel like we're. I feel like. Well, first of all, we have to run through the tape, and that, that's what I would tell people is that, you know, I think there's been this expectations for months, if not for a year, that, hey, we're going to take back the House, and then, well, look, the Senate might be, it might even be in play, which I think is, that's a big, much bigger hurdle given given the map, and, and I, I think people need to hold on the euphoria and just work, just run through the tape. Every election, every primary election where we can set the table for the fall and then all the way through uh, through the election in November. Don't assume that because of the environment, because of the history of midterms and what happens to the president's party, uh, that we're going to win. But I think fundamentally, I think we're in really good shape. And I, the, the thing that the thing that Democrats do is, one, I think they get complacent. Unfortunately, sometimes get complacent. And then on the other side, they, they get nervous. And, and so people have seen, people pay attention to the generic ballot. And and we've all we all pay attention to the generic ballot. We always have. Yeah. But you gotta dig deeper than the generic ballot. So the generic ballot may have gone from six or eight point lead to two or three point uh two or three point lead. But what you have to really look at is enthusiasm. How I was going to ask you about what that. is the propensity right. for uh for voters in polls to say that they're gonna vote? And what we've seen so far is that the enthusiasm <clears throat> and energy is on the Democratic side. Absolutely. And right? you don't need and you, don't, you can just funnel that right. too. And you don't need to look at at the public opinion polls, look at the results of special elections. We've overperformed in every, uh, almost every special election that has occurred since Donald Trump came into office. Even in, even in losses, we have overperformed uh, the, the previous performance of those of those elections. Democrats have turned out more, and so I, I feel really good. I, I mean, I you know. Um, and and I think we got to start looking at polls that are polling likely voters and not just registered voters. 
Uh, Nate Silver pointed out that yesterday on Twitter, and there's a, there was a poll out of Pennsylvania where the likely voter screen, the Democrat had a bigger mm-hmm. lead than the registered voter screen. So I think, you know, one, people need to calm down on the polls. I mean, you, you know, we are, <clears throat> if you just pay attention to the polls, you would have thought we would have won in, 20, in 2016. Well, uh, Don't pay attention uh, to the polls. Yeah. Pay attention to the work. Knock on doors, make phone calls, text people, make sure that people are turning out to vote on our side. Uh, here's a factor that came up uh, yesterday. You know, the uh, uh, Parkland students graduated uh, a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they had a little news conference yesterday. Cameron Kasky speaking for them. Um, I think he's the one that took on Marco Rubio about mm-hmm. uh, not taking money from the NRA. <coughs> right. Really embarrassed the hell out of him. Um, he talked about that they're going to start this summer tour. Yeah. And they're going to go across the country, a little band of them, yeah. to, to meet with community leaders and try to keep people yeah. focused right, right on doing what they can do in their community to get some gun safety laws. Yeah. And he pointed out about the other part, part of their message is, you just graduated, you're just turning 18, register and get out to vote. Right. Uh, a huge number. Here's uh, Cameron Kasky yesterday. Yeah. Four million people turn 18 this year. And if every single one of those people votes, encourages their friends to vote, make sure their family is getting to the polls, we can make real change in this country. Yeah. Uh, He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And what they're doing, this bus tour uh, that they're going to mount, this going across the country (laughs) and firing up the troops and registering people to vote, it's a tremendous thing. And look, it's a tremendous testament to to these young people. I mean, how many of these tragic shootings have we seen and then they're they're gone from the headlines the next week and we're on to something we're on to something else they have kept this issue uh like you and i and progressives all over this country have tried to keep this issue in the forefront and it keeps getting swept away we 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 move on to trump and Mueller and and everything else in the world stormy (laughs) and stormy (laughs) and we pay attention to all these other things these kids not political operatives not even members of Congress or political leaders, these kids have kept, um, and I hate to even call them kids, these young adults now, they've graduated from high school, they have kept this issue at the at the forefront, and it's going to, I think, it's going to create a tremendous amount of energy uh, among progressives and Democrats, and those people turn out for this issue, they're going to vote, they're going to vote for the right people, and we're going to see real change. Yeah, and that was a message here at the yeah. March for Our Lives uh, in, in Washington yeah. and around the country on that March yeah. 24. I was so impressed to see so many voter registration people out there. Yeah. You know, signing yeah. people up. Right. That, that, right. That, yeah. that, That's the most important thing we can be doing right that, now. That, that, so, what should the message, the Democrats' message be? You know, um, yeah, we know we're disgusted with Donald Trump, but you need more than that, right? What should, what should the message for Democrats be? And you're and as you indicated earlier, yeah. every ra- single race is different. There are local issues, and yeah. everything, but overall, what are what should Democrats be? Well, look, I, I I do I will say I will say this, and I don't have a I don't have a great response to that. I, I think we're the opposition party. I think first and foremost, we do have to go out and we have to make a case for what they've done and and the harm that they've brought to the country. I do not believe that this race should be about Donald Trump. I don't believe it should be about uh, Robert Mueller, and I don't think it should be about Russia. Now, it might, in in some races, that might that might work, but what we, what we have seen in poll after poll after poll that we've done, the public polls, is that the issues are what driving voters. People are really concerned about the inequity of that tax bill. They're really concerned about the future of their of their health care. So I think we've got to go out and we've got to make a real case 
to people about how they're getting screwed uh, by this administration and by Republicans in Should Congress. it be about impeachment? I don't think so. I don't think because I think that that will I think that that will um, get their folks animated right now. They don't they're not enthusiastic about voting. They're not. I mean, look, I, I think not all. I mean, there are a lot of real true believers in the Trump coalition. There are yeah. others that are just kind of like stomaching this. And but I think if they thought that we were, you, you know, look, I think. Uh, do I think that the president should be impeached? I, look, I think it's pretty obvious he he colluded with a foreign power to, to yeah. impact the the election. I, I, I mean, but that said, people really wanted people in elections want want it to be about them. They don't, yeah. they don't want it to be about somebody else. They want you know how are you going to improve my health care? How are you going to improve my economic situation? What are you going to do about my tax bill? All right, you got yeah. good. So good to visit with you today. Yes, Thank great. You so Thank much. you. So thanks for all you joining us on Obamacare Live. I mean, when we come back, we're going to find out from uh, Fair Vote how to fix these this elections. Is the Bill Press Show? Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how: you can follow us on Twitter at BP Show, or on Facebook at www.facebook.com/slash. Bill Press Show, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, what do you know? Melania showed up again yesterday at the White House. Looks like she's been there all along, and uh, Donald Trump said, No, it's not true that we are splitting up. Isn't that right, dear? <laughs> she just smiled. Hey, welcome back, Melania. Welcome back, First Lady. And welcome back to all of you to the uh, Bill Press Show right here. On a Tuesday, June 5, good to see you today. We are coming to you live from our nation's capital. Uh, last time I looked, that was Washington, D.C. With all the news of the day for you, uh, from a progressive point of view, we start you off by letting you know what's going on and giving you a chance to sound off about it as well. Uh, and yes, the White House still asserting divine privilege, absolute, unlimited, unfettered power on the part of the president of the United States. He could shoot somebody in the Oval Office and never be charged with a crime. So says Rudy Giuliani and the president's lawyers. He cannot be charged with obstruction of justice. He could even lie to the special counsel under oath and get away with it. So they say. And the big party that uh, Mr. Trump had scheduled today for the White House to celebrate himself and, by the way, to congratulate the Philadelphia Eagles uh, is not going to take place because the Eagles said, yeah, we don't really like that idea. We're not even going to show up. Fewer than 10 of them said they would show up. Uh, Donald Trump canceled the whole event. Lots and lots to talk about. Don't forget. Your voices, we want to hear you, your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll jump right into it, but first. 
This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Let's go to San Jose, where yesterday Apple held its annual Worldwide Developers Conference to talk about uh, some of the new products that they are working on. Now, they did not announce any new hardware. They didn't announce any new phones. They didn't announce any new uh, iPads or anything, computers, anything like that. But they did announce new operating system, iOS 12. They say that it's the latest operating system that will bring a bunch of new features, including there will be FaceTime, where you can video conference up to 32 people into uh, the video chat. You can also, uh, they have a new app called Screen Time, which means you will be able to monitor how long you're spending on specific apps. In other words, they're trying to let you know how much time you're spending on your phone, which could be scary for a lot of people. I don't want to know. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I want to know either. They also did point out that there are mm-hmm. a lot of there were a lot of privacy uh, upgrades as well, where uh, they are going to sort of help hide some of your data that you want to keep hidden. Uh, they did take a shot at Facebook because Facebook has yeah. been known to share yeah. your personal data, and Apple says they do not want to be that group. They also unveiled a new thing. If you have an Apple Watch, which I know you do not, that it will essentially act as a walkie-talkie. So you know how you can iMessage people. You get the blue bubble if you're iMessaging, the green bubble if you're using someone that's not Apple. Uh, It essentially works the same way. If there are other Apple Watch users, you just hit the button and you can talk to them like it's a walkie-talkie. Just talk right into your phone or your watch. Dick Tracy. It's it's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Uh, meanwhile, while we're talking about security issues, Facebook again yesterday. Turns out they might not have been as upfront and honest as we would have liked them to be. Ooh. Turns out they have shared data with at least 60 device makers. These include Apple, Amazon, BlackBerry, Microsoft, Samsung. The whole idea here is... For people who were developing apps for the phone, either Facebook apps or other sort of apps, they were sharing data with those app developers and with the phone developers about sort of like how you're using Facebook, which Mark Zuckerberg said they absolutely did not do. I was going to say, did he commit perjury when he denied doing that? Sort of. That's what it looks like. This is the Bill Press Show. Uh, yes, indeed. You know that great big party with the Eagles today down at the White House? Forget about it. Uh-uh. The Eagles said, yeah, we don't really care. We're not going to show up. Fewer than 10 of them, of the whole squad, players and coaches alike, said, um, yeah, they'd rather go out and do some public service instead of going to the White House. Donald Trump in a peak, canceling the entire event. And, of course, accusing them of not being uh, good patriots because they won't uh, uh, do what he says they should be doing uh, during the national anthem. Hey, hello, everybody. Great to see you today. It's Tuesday, June 5. Uh, This is the Bill Press Show. We're with you coast to coast all across this great land of ours and every nook and cranny of the United States. We start out here in Washington, D.C. Join you wherever you are in this great country of ours. 
uh, on any platform we can. Yes, we're there with you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you on the radio, of course, out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT and looking at you on Free Speech TV as well, coast to coast. Today, primary day in California and several other states, a lot on at stake uh, this year. Um, and I was in California a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so with the California primary, they've got what's called the jungle primary, uh, the primary for mayor or the election for mayor in San Francisco, the first round at least, is today, I believe. Yes. Um, and uh, they've got a whole different system called ranked choice voting, I believe it is. At any rate, people are saying maybe there are better ways to conduct elections than we have traditionally in the past. Uh, one person saying that is Rob Ritchie, who is the president and CEO of Fair Vote. Uh, which got a lot of attention this week when David Brooks in the uh, New York Times, a person I don't always agree with, uh, praised the system, said something we ought to take a look at. Rob, nice to see you. Thanks for coming in. I am great to be here. All right. So first of all, I've got to ask you, because you look like uh, (laughs) you just took a shower with your clothes on. What the hell happened on well, the way uh, in? Well, it's an interesting. Uh, I, 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 our, I, I have the our, good fortune of being. Our able friends to... on Free Speech are going to be asking, <laughs> "What's going on here?" So I want well, to for radio it's, and TV. It, you got to tell hard, us. It's hard work to fix this democracy of ours. But but also, I I uh, have the good fortune of being able to work in uh, Montgomery County, and I usually don't commute this direction. Uh, and and. Uh, uh, uh-huh. Suddenly realized there was a huge amount of traffic, so I had to hop on my bicycle and get here. So here I am, but uh, but uh, after a little workout. Uh, whoa! I respect that hustle, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's you, right. But you, you know, you got to get to the Bill Press show. You so. biked in all the way from Montgomery County. I did. There's a thing called Metro. <laughs> I know, but it. I think it actually was faster uh, doing doing this. Really? It just took some work. Yeah, boy, it sure did. Okay, well, thank you for all yeah, that no, extra no, effort. Thanks here. for coming in. So, um, what it, it it's called? I want to be sure. Fair? Uh, no, rank choice voting is. That yeah. Right? So we're fair okay. vote. Uh, we You're have, fair vote. We right. have, we have been around. I've actually been doing uh, uh, directing fair vote for 26 years. So uh, that that makes me almost a marathon runner of, of reform. Yeah. But uh, the the proposal that's really taking off and it's great timing to do so is rank choice voting. Rank being, choice voting. Exactly. Okay. It's being used in San Francisco. Just yesterday was passed in New Mexico's biggest city of Las Cruces. It's used in about 15 cities and will be used in Maine uh, next week for their gubernatorial primaries and congressional primary. But you said Las Cruces is New Mexico's largest city? Second. Second largest. Behind Albuquerque. Really? Yeah, yeah. Las Cruces. Didn't know that. But and the third biggest is Santa Fe, which which used it in March, and everyone thought it worked great, and it's getting lots of attention across the state. Uh, so cities and states could adopt this on their own. Yes, right? and they are starting to, and we hope it really takes off. Cause it, what was the first city to try it? The first city was San Francisco, um, oh, uh, which yeah. is uh, the one that's having this uh, big mayoral race. Actually, this is the first open seat mayoral race they've had with the system, uh, but they have had they have 18 offices that have uh, been elected by ranked choice voting since 2004. Um, and we, we've really seen uh, remarkable impacts. I mean, the, the basic function it does is handle uh, yeah. having more okay. than how two does, choices. How does right? it work? So again, I was in San Francisco last week. I I was talking with a, a good friend of mine, Mark Leno, who uh-huh. is one of the candidates for governor. Yes, uh, one yeah. uh, uh, I'm supporting. Um, but but I don't vote in San Francisco, so I just sent him a check because he's a good friend. But he was trying to explain it to me, and I just said, Mark, <laughs> you're losing me. I don't have <laughs> enough time to try to figure this out. 
So how does it work? I mean, we're used to you have a race, there's the winner, there's the loser, you just count the votes, and it's all over. Right. This is a little more complicated. Well, and there's a good reason for it. I mean, it's, it's actually easy, right? It, it, it's easy for the voter. And so what those San Francisco voters have to do is essentially be able to count to three, which most of us are able to do at this point. And, and it's uh, saying, here's my first choice. Maybe Mark Leno, maybe London Breed, maybe Jim yeah. Kim, maybe one right. of these other right. candidates running. And then here's my second choice. And here's my third choice. If you do that. So what's you, the ballot look like? So uh, the way they do it in San Francisco is, is they list the candidates. It's not the, actually the best way to do it, but it's the way they do it. They list the candidates three different times with a row next to each one. One's the first choice row, one's the second choice row, and one's oh. the third choice row. Huh. The way they did so it all in, the uh, candidates are listed. They in, actually do it three, yeah. three times. Partly there's a sort of a, a ballot okay. equipment issue. The way they do it in Santa Fe and the way that Maine is going to do it next week is they list the candidates once. And then they have rows for each 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 choice. So your first choice, second choice, third choice. It's oh, I super see. easy. And like, oh, so, so candidates down there, yeah. and then you have uh, like a little box, right? Right. One, so, two, th- you put a one, two, or three. Is that you, it? You you fill or in you... A, uh, one bubble in the first row, uh, oh, okay. and then uh, or yeah. column, sorry, and then one in the second column and one in the third column. So okay. so I so so, so so in Santa Fe, they had five candidates for mayor, uh-huh. um, open seat race. Uh, everyone uh, uh, believes or will, will, will tell you that it was the most sort of substantive campaign they've had in, in many years. The turnout was, was higher than it had for many years. It was the first time that they used it for mayor. Um, and so they listed the, the candidates, and, and people could rank them. One out of 1,000 voters only made a mistake that made their ballot didn't count, so everyone else had their ballot count. Um, and uh, so many 99.9% got it right. And then about two out of three ranked all five candidates. Um, and, and, and what that does is really give the voter more say. If you only have a single choice and you have more than two choices before you, you're sort of leaving your voice on the table, right? You have things to say about people. Um, great example to me was the 2016 uh, Republican presidential uh, nomination process, right? There were a lot of candidates. And we did a poll uh, with the College of William & Mary uh, early on when there were still 11 of them. And you mean re- the Republican candidates for— yeah, right. So Trump and Cruz and yeah, yeah, Rubio are, and so on, right? And 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 we asked, we gave people the opportunity to rank them. Didn't tell them to rank them, but it's the opportunity. More than nine out of ten Republican voters chose to rank all of them, meaning they had something to say about all of them. But when they actually went to vote, they could only vote for one of them. And and those extra rankings really give your 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 vote more power. Here's here's how it works in San Francisco. So. So um, you add up all the first choices. So you, you add up those, those, those first choices. And if someone has an absolute majority, more than 50%, you have an, a first-round winner, just like you would in a traditional system that might have a runoff election. But if not, the candidate who is the weakest candidate in last place is knocked out, is defeated, and their ballots are added to their second choice. And then you essentially to, – to those voters' second choice, basically their backup choice, Right. Everyone else's first choice is still in, so you're happy and you keep your ballot counting. And then you see if you have a majority winner, and you essentially duplicate that process until someone gets a majority. When now you get down to two, it's a head-to-head race, and someone will have a majority. Uh, so in San Francisco, it, it's a really interesting contest um, because you have two of the three candidates have actually cross-endorsed each other publicly and are saying, hey, vote for me first, but if if but if you uh, have a second choice, here's, here's, here's my endorsed second choice. And so essentially they are saying uh, they're, they're both endorsed by the local Democratic Party, and they're saying, hey, vote for us in one order or the other. And essentially, those votes have the power to come together. Now, it's up to the voters to decide what to do. So the third major candidate, 
can compete for those second choices, and that'll probably determine who wins wins the election. Well, I, I, it's fascinating. First of all, let's go back to I, I do really like this idea that um, you could, in a sense, vote for more than one. Is yes. what you're saying, right. right? I mean, which which you're and, ready to do, you know? Yeah, that, that's yeah. what most of okay. us are ready to do. I I'm a California voter, okay? So I did not a San Francisco voter, California voter. So I voted in today's primary. I go to vote for governor. There are 27 candidates right. for governor. You voted for one of them, right? That's all. I know <laughs> probably well a half a dozen of them, anyhow. From my time in California, I was the Democratic state chair of California. You know, so I know Delaney Easton, I know Gavin Newsom, I know Antonio Villaraigosa, I know John Chang. Forget who some of the others are, right? Right. Um, and uh, I could tell you good things about every one of those ones that I know, right? I had to vote for one, right? Uh, I would have, I would like to have been able to to vote for more than one, right? Because I would be very happy. If the person I voted for doesn't win, I'd be very happy with one of those others. Having a second choice, right? Yeah, and right. that's true of that's true of most of us. And then the, you know the classic case where we think about this, you know, in a, a very open way, is when there seem to be too many candidates who can split the vote and actually change the outcome. So in the a lot yeah, of those congressional right. races in California, yeah, um, there's uh, you know Democrats have a lot of political energy. They're trying to take over seats. A lot of people jumped in the race. You can only vote for one of them. And there's a there's a very plausible outcome where the top two finishers may not be Democrats in a in a primary where a majority of the voters vote for Democrats, but right. they just split their vote. Um, and and when you think about third parties in our system, um, there's that there's always that sort of push pull. Like some people say, it's really time to have a new choice. I want to ha- I want to express myself. And uh, but because they usually don't have much of a chance to win, people are saying, well, don't vote for them. That's a wasted vote. This essentially throws that whole conversation into a different perspective because you can say, well, I'm, I'm going to vote for whom I really want, but I'm by that decision, I'm not going to help elect the candidate I like the least. I do have a second choice, and I'm going to express that. And so whether you're voting for Ross Perot and ranking George Bush second or voting for Ralph Nader and ranking Al Gore second or Jill Stein and ranking Hillary Clinton second, you know, whatever it might be, you are able to have more of a voice Mm-hmm. And it's still one person, one vote, right? It's the end of the day. It's getting down to a head-to-head. Who are the top two candidates? Let's compare them one-to-one, which our system works great at when we only have two choices. But when we have more than two, it's not, not such a good All system. right. So I want to come back to how you figure out, so how you calculate the vote. So what you're saying is you go through the first time and you, and you count all the votes. And if somebody has 50 plus one, they're in. Yes. Right. When you have a crowded field... That's not always the case. It's often right? not the case. Okay. Yeah. So the bottom person falls out. Yes. And then however many people voted for that person, that you go to their number two choice, right? And you yes. add those up. Right. Just from that defeated candidate. It's like their backup. You take just the, just the very one bottom one? I mean, it sounds to me. It, 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 yeah, I mean, cause, cause, it may cause, take you several counts yeah. before you get to a winner. No, that's true. I mean, essentially, we would recommend always running it down to two just to kind of get a nice head-to-head vote and see what the top two people were oh. one-to-one. That's what they do in San Francisco. So, uh-huh. we, so in San Francisco, actually, even if you they'll win— keep, a, They'll keep going. Yeah, they'll keep going. Just kind of in an expressive way. So even if you win on the first round, they'll go ahead and run the tally down to two, and you can say, oh, the candidate got 52% of first choices, but head-to-head against their top opponent, they got 70%, or they only got 53% or something, and, and you learn something more about what people thought. Um, so, like, Maine is going to use it next week, and Republicans have four candidates for governor. Democrats have seven. Um, we helped do a poll up there that showed neither uh, race had a, uh, candidates with more than 50 percent. 
Um, so they will, you know, run a tally and they'll 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 get down and 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 determine uh, the top majority winner in in each contest. And uh, we usually don't do that, right? So we have all these conversations about, oh my gosh, is Don Blankenship going to win in West Virginia with thirty two percent or you know whatever it is that isn't necessarily a uh, the the, the representative outcome, but it's just top of the heap, you know, with with a, with a big field. And will this work in both a primary and a general election? Absolutely. That's what they're going to do in Maine. So Maine is in an interesting situation because they're voting with it and they're voting on it. Uh, it's a whole complicated story. They passed it back in 2016 with actually the second biggest vote total in, in the history of uh, ballot initiatives in Maine. But um, there's been some legal wrangling and parties have you know, there's not a single party control of the legislature. They've sort of fought over how to implement it, and they actually were postponing it and probably going to be repealing it. Um, and so the people who had pushed the successful win did what's called a people's veto, a referendum against a new state oh, law that was yeah, going to postpone yeah. it. So that's what they're voting on next week. They're saying, you know what, this is mm-hmm. the system. And, and so if they vote yes, they will uh, keep it for these primary elections going forward, and they'll use it for U.S. Senate and U.S. House going forward. Would this work on a presidential yes, election? absolutely. And it's actually a state statute. Um, states can do this on their own for president. Um, and oh. so that when you think of the electoral college— like So when, you could have some states—I'm for. I'm talking yes. about the in the federal in the 2020— you could have some states absolutely. have ranked choice voting. Yes. So any state where someone says, oh, I'm so upset about third parties or I so much wish I could vote for third parties— and, you know, but our system is a problem. You know, they can change that. It's completely a statutory question. They also could do it for the nomination process. So think about the Democratic field in 2020. You know, you were talking about yeah. 25 candidates for governor. We may have, you know, 15 candidates seeking the Democratic right. nomination right. in Iowa. Right. Whoever gets the most votes, right, could be, you know, 22 percent or something like that. Well, yeah. I just, but that, so that would change, I mean, that would really change the primary system if, if some states did it and some states didn't. Well, I mean, it's, how, we, we, we already have differences. How, you camp- like, how they campaign. I mean, this yeah. idea of, uh, like a Rick Santorum could say, well, I know that Donald Trump may be your first choice, but um, vote for me for number two. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was interesting when, when we did that survey. Of I find it hard to believe the candidates are really <laughs> going to go out and say, uh, you may not like me as much as you like that, but just make me your number two. Well, it's a fascinating thing. They start I mean, it, doing it. It's a change of political culture, and it's actually a really good change. Like so that Minneapolis has now used it for three mayoral races, and and they've they've really adapted to it. So they had this you know very competitive race for mayor, and there was a news conference the day after. You can sort of find it online where they both where both winners and losers talk about it. Some one person's happier than everybody else, but they all said you know this gave us a fair shot. They did ask for second and third choices. It was a, a learning to respect voters because essentially it's saying like, okay, someone can have a difference of opinion, but I still want to be their second choice and third choice. And to earn that, I need to earn their respect. I, I just, yeah. As a former candidate, I find it <laughs> hard to envision uh, going out and telling people, make me your number, second, number two yeah. choice. Well, you always ask for their first choice first. Yeah, right. and, and yeah. Then, but you know what? I mean, that's essentially okay. what you have to do in a runoff. You just do it sequentially. Here you do it. You you have to to learn how to do it at the you know in in, in one. Right, round. So where did this where did this whole idea come from? It's actually an old idea. Um, it was where did uh, you find developed. It? Uh, did you is this your invention? No, not at all. It's actually goes back to the 19th century. Australia has been using it for a century now uh, for their all their big elections, um, and uh, they use it to the president of Ireland. It's in Robert's Rules of Order. So you it's like so so here's an interesting thing when when parties. 
nominated at conventions, like Abraham Lincoln, if you read, like, you know, Team of Rivals and Doris Kearns Kern, yeah. Goodwin, Lincoln did not win on the first round, right? Oh, right. right. He was second on the first right. round, right? Yeah. So if it had been like a plurality contest, Sword would have been the Republican nominee, right? But but he was the consensus person. They voted round by round, sort of knocking the last person out. That was what you did at conventions. In fact, Virginia Republicans just last weekend had a really important uh, selection process to pick a new candidate where a candidate had had, had just dropped out for Congress. And the, the person who led in first choices actually didn't even live in the district, but sort of had a passionate base, but she didn't get a majority and another candidate ended up being the majority winner. So that was sort of the, the and that's what Robert's Rules sort of spells out ranked choice voting as a way to do that when you vote by mail. What happens to political parties in this? Well, it doesn't... Yeah, it, we it, talked it, a lot about yeah, mayor's so races, because so, 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 mayor's races usually it's yeah. not, not allegedly nonpartisan. Well, think of it as a mechanism that can be applied however you might want to. So Maine is keeping political parties, actually keeping closed primaries, they're using ranked choice voting in the primaries, and then they're using it Inside in the general the election. Party. And right? then in the, so yeah. now uh, there's a proposal on the on the floor getting increasingly talked about in California relating to this this concern about both the vote splitting in the first round and the lack of not having more than two people in the second round. Right. So so another proposal is to say, well, let's uh, let's double the number of choices that can advance from the primary. Let's have four people come out of the primary. Um, which makes it less likely you'll have a vote-splitting problem. And then with four candidates, you don't want to have just a single-choice system in November. Use ranked choice voting in November. Um, and, and that would you know, increase choice. Um, that's another application of ranked choice voting. But so, so essentially, think of it as a mechanism of being able to rank candidates, and you can apply it in multiple ways. The David Brooks column uh, embraced an idea that we think is an exciting one, which not only allows you to be able to rank candidates, but also uh, changes our notion of, of fair representation so you're not limited to only having one representative. So that's a, sort of another, another uh, 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 limitation on our current system is one person represents everybody in a neighborhood. And this idea would be have more than one person, use it with ranked choice voting, and actually most people will end up helping to elect someone. And that's uh, been, been put forward in Congress as a statutory change by Don Beyer and several members. You mean and, having two people representing every yeah, congressional district? So like a, district? So like a state like Maryland, which has eight representatives, you would have, uh, instead of eight districts, you would have a couple districts, each with four or three and five, something like that. And um, and they would be in, 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 in population equity uh, per, per, per seat. And then you would rank candidates. And then if you're, say, in a seat that has three representatives, it would take about a third of the vote to win one out of three. Um, what that does is, uh, which is also, by the way, widely used around the world, it's a candidate-based form of a sort of an American form of proportional voting, and that um, uh, would really really do away with gerrymandering in a fundamental way. Well, uh, next time Don Byers, and we'll have to ask him, uh, ask him about that. Oh, he's a, he's a big that. enthusiast. Um, uh, now, but just a couple of minutes, because in California today, uh, statewide, will be the jungle primary. Yes. Okay. Uh, and the way the jungle primary <laughs> works is the top two ca- candidates. So all the candidates are listed, regardless of party. They're all listed. As I said, twenty-seven. They're all mixed up there, and you choose one. and And the two top vote getters are going to be on the ballot in the general election. Right. They could be two Democrats. They could be two Republicans. They could be an independent and a whatever. Yes. Right. Party. It almost this almost does away with party 
Uh, and yeah, well, it's it, it came out of a reaction against the old system where you know you'd have these sort of separate primaries, which were largely usually not very competitive, and then these general elections, which weren't very competitive, and you had a system where incumbents could just be returned without ever really facing much much competition, and the voters had you know a, a real limit on choice. This does a couple things that it 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 it's changes that right. So in these primaries, most voters have a lot of choice today. Um, they um, also, in November, because it's a two-person race, they will get a majority winner. So it doesn't right. have kind of split vote spoiler problems. There are challenges, however, because it keeps people off the November ballot who could be credible candidates. And this is this controversy about, you know, a Democratic, you know, a district with like a majority of voters for one party might not get anyone on the November ballot. Third parties and independents can can complain about the system because they almost never get on the November uh, ballot. Do you think in terms of democracy with a small d that this fair ranked choice voting is a fairer a more representative system than Absolutely. the jungle primary well I, I i think it's not an or you 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 can maine is not doing the jungle primary i think it's a good way that they're doing it in maine and what we're finding is that some of the folks who really like the jungle primary also like the idea of adding more choice to the no, the november ballot and using ranked choice voting it sort of accomplishes their goals, which is that more competitive primary and candidate equality, everyone's treated the same, voters have the same choices, with still having more choices uh, in November. And, and, and this sort of incentive for candidates to learn more about the electorate, which I think is great, right? They, they have to learn to be people's first choice. They won't win without that. But they have to learn how to be people's second and third choice. And I think that's a good thing. Hmm. Yeah, um, it, it, I, I could no, I can see a lot of value to it in terms both from a candidate's point of view and certainly from a voter's point of view. So, how does it move forward? I mean, are you lobbying state by state, city by city, or is and is anybody in Congress saying we ought to do this nationwide? Well, I think uh, there is this Fair Representation Act that's like would be ranked choice voting for everything. It's kind of like the comprehensive reform bill of of our era. Um, we are expect to see a, a ranked choice voting only bill also. It's really, though, under our system, it's very much of a local and state. I mean, states can change rank, change all of their elections to ranked choice voting on their own, including president, in, uh, including U.S. Senate, U.S. Yeah. House. So, it, so, so the way our sort of laboratories of democracy tend to work is good ideas kind of bubble up. Um, it's so been, are you working then like in most of the Exactly. State we, capital, we, state have, capital. we have a growing number of state groups. Hey, if someone wants to get involved, check out fairvote.org, and you can be part of your state group. Um, the uh, But like, say, why Las Cruces passed it was Santa Fe first passed it. They used it. People liked it. Now Las Cruces has passed it. We There's a whole conversation going on in Albuquerque. We expect that may become a statewide conversation. Utah just passed a bill to allow cities to do it. We expect some Utah cities to, 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 to be using it next year and having a statewide conversation soon after. Um, but it's uh, one that we could jumpstart that and, and, and go right up to Congress, but, uh, but the way our system tends to work is, is, is to have the good ideas kind of bubble up like, like Maine has done. I would say that one terrific change for us is that our voting equipment, our election administration systems can now do ranked choice voting. And over the years, we would get mm. the policy persuasion. People say, that's a great idea. It really solves this problem we have. Our but our equipment can't, can't do it, it, and it just would squash oh, yeah. the conversation. Yeah. Los Angeles well, um, has, has had a whole conversation about ranked choice voting um, instead of their, their two-round system. Uh, um, and, by the way, it makes total sense for what their, their alternative they're facing in 2020, which I won't go into, but it's a mess. And, and ranked choice voting, if they just did what San Francisco is doing, they could have all their choice in 
November, when most people vote, create incentives for candidates to reach out to more people and you know have but a, you would still have a, have a primary election. right well for local elections that are nonpartisan like San Francisco and Minneapolis and so yeah. on they don't right um, that's yeah and, right. and and the ones that are partisan they like Maine they're having their their separate primaries right now it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating and uh, so if people do want to find out more and and get involved and if your state doesn't have an organization start one up right <laughs> absolutely yeah it's fairvote fairvote.org Fairvote.org. 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 <laughs> Rob Ritchie, vice-hooking all the way in from Montgomery <laughs> County here with a good idea, president and CEO of Fairvote. Fascinating stuff, and thanks for what you're doing, Rob. Thank all you, right. Bill. All Glad right. to be on the show. Hope it works. When we come back, Emily Atkins is going to join us. She's science and environmental reporter for New Republic, the latest on Scott Pruitt. You got a used mattress you want to sell? Take a quick break. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say on a Tuesday, June 5? Uh, so good to see you today. What a busy news day. Uh, <laughs> aren't they all busy news days these days? Seems to be that way, and uh, really it is. We are the Bill Press Show, and we are starting off in Washington, D.C., but joining you all across this great land of ours. And brought to you today by the International Association of Iron Workers. Yes, the great Iron Workers Union. And the men and women of the Iron Workers under President Eric Dean. They are building our communities today and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. You bet. Check out their website at ironworkers.org. Uh, Emily Atkin joining us soon here from uh, New Republic. Meanwhile, lots of news to talk about. One thing we haven't touched on yet. Oh, by the way, that... Volcano erupting in Guatemala? Yo. Whoa. That's I crazy, mean, man. That looks like something you'd see like 150. It looks like Mount Vesuvius. Yeah. It was biblical. It, it was biblical. And and by the way, they said you know, a few years ago, Carol and I were in Pompeii and Herculaneum, that this is the same ash and, and lava. 1,300 degrees was this ash that was falling. Grief. So they, they had a hard time even getting to victims who've been covered by this ash because the ash was so hot they couldn't deal with it. Uh, last I checked, it was 62 dead, but there are going to be a lot, lot more than that. Uh, villages, entire villages wiped out. And apparently there was no, you know, they used to have monitors around the, all these volcanoes today, at least those that they expected, uh, they think could be active. I don't know whether... There was any. It didn't seem like there was any warning at all that this uh, mountain was going to erupt. But boy, sure did. By the way, I saw this yesterday. Uh, Jose Andres, uh, chef uh, here in town, who really great, great guy, really stepped up and Uh-oh. did a ton of work. Oh, in Puerto yeah, Rico. he has in many places, but especially and in Puerto Rico. He yeah. tweeted yesterday, "We are active already in Guatemala, the oh. World Central Kitchen, which is sort of the." Yeah, the yeah, bigger brand right. of the D.C. Central Kitchen that he has yeah. here in town. Uh, the World Central Kitchen team and partners are really going to be helping for the next few days. He's already uh, talked about some of the um, partnerships that he's made to get people over there to help start feeding people. Um, Jose Andres for president, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, great guy. I've gotten to know him a little bit, and uh, he does incredible, incredible work. Uh and uh, so we'll keep our eye keep our eye on that for you. Meanwhile, the lava keep, continues to flow in uh, on the Big Island in Hawaii, uh, and uh, some couple housing developments there are entirely cut off. Uh, by the way, I don't know whether you saw, but 
um, idiots out there, the law enforcement said very, very clearly, look, you have to evacuate and you got to do it now because this is going to be this area is going to be cut off. Could very well be. And if it is, we're not going to be able to get you on the ground. And, of course, some idiots stayed in the sure, houses. Yeah, of course. And now, of course, the, the only way they can get them out is to send in helicopters to lift them out. I hope they make them pay for that rescue. They certainly should, right? I mean, I don't, I don't want it, 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 leave them there to burn, but, yeah, rescue them, but make them pay because they were, they, were, they were given a fair warning. Speaking about fair warnings, uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet was, I, I'm sure, Peter, you, I know you saw, and most of you have seen probably now this FBI, off-duty FBI agent. Yo. Out on the dance floor, right, rocking away and then does a backflip. And Let's just first of all say he's a very good dancer. He's a good dancer, yeah, right. <laughs> Which is the least important okay. part of the story. But it just seems to me, number one, um, and I don't know what, I still don't know what state this was in, or I forget if I saw it. But, you know, don't take your gun into a, da- into a dance hall, okay? I mean, that, that not into a church, <laughs> not into a movie theater, right? Grandma always told me, yeah, don't never your, bring no. your strap. Don't bring your gun <laughs> onto the dance floor. Onto the and not uh, certainly not onto the dance floor, right? Okay, not the dance hall number one, number the dance floor, and then stick it in the back of your pants and think. I mean, come on. So of course he flips. The gun falls out of his pants, falls on the floor. He grabs it, and as he grabs it, the gun goes off. And fortunately, only shot a guy in the leg. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, he shot somebody. He shot somebody. He shot somebody. And then he just kind of walks off the dance floor. He doesn't even run to the guy to see if he's okay. There are a lot of things about this story, and you really got to see the video. Uh, if you, uh, if I can't you, believe if, nobody hasn't seen it, yeah, seen it over and over and I'm over I'm sure again. you've seen it. I'm if sure that guy, If that guy doesn't lose his job. Yeah. You know, seriously. Look, oh, I mean. I don't care. Off-duty FBI officer. Okay. BFD, right? Just a dumb-ass thing to do. This is something we talk about a lot. Resp- there are such... <laughs> Such things Common as sense. responsible gun owners. Yes. They exist. They are out there. And responsible gun owners don't take handguns and stuff it into their waistband and carry it that way, full stop. Full. But then also yeah, and go then and go try and dance you know, yeah. <laughs> with it on. Uh, no. Don't okay, do so that. Don't do that. Right. Uh, Supreme Court decision yesterday, which was uh, kind of weird. And kind of troubling at the same time. Uh, this was the case of the uh, baker out in uh, Denver, uh, I believe it was Denver, who um, wouldn't uh, bake a cake for a same-sex couple because he said his religious beliefs, the Bible, he says, is very clear, very, very clear about marriage. It's going to only be between one man and woman. doesn't say anything at all about same-sex marriage, as a matter of fact. Um but at any rate, um, and so it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled 7-2 to two in favor of the Baker, sort of, kind of. It was one of those decisions where Justice Kennedy, who wrote the decision, who did say that it is wrong to discriminate against same-sex couples, Justice Kennedy, who has said in the past that and wrote the decision that same-sex marriage should be recognized by all 50 states. In this case, he said he side, they sided with the baker because they didn't think the commission that ruled against the baker treated him civilly or fairly, that they were rude to him. 
and they compared his views, his saying that the Bible doesn't allow same-sex marriage, would allow you to discriminate against gays as those people who used to use the Bible to say, and some still do, that you can discriminate against African-Americans. So they used one time the Bible to justify slavery, and one of the members of the commission, at least one, I think maybe two, uh, compared that to this guy's use of the Bible to justify discriminating against gays. That was the issue that, 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 again, Justice Kennedy said he didn't think he got a fair shot. He didn't think that the baker was treated civilly. He did not, did not say that the baker should be allowed to deny um, uh, uh, serving uh, service to a gay couple. In fact, in the weirdest thing of all, he sort of said, and the baker said, well, I would serve them like a cupcake or a croissant, but I would not make a special wedding cake for them. Um, you know, it was just all over the place. Seven to two, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor, two justices, good for them. They held true and said, look, this is nonsense. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Call a spade a spade. This guy is discriminating against this couple simply because uh, they are a gay couple. They happen to be two men, uh, and that is wrong, and it is unconstitutional. That's what the court should have said. Um, um, but So it, it, it was all over the place. So the woman who represented the Baker attorney, her name is Kristen Wagner, uh, she said, my client, my Baker client, he is a happy man today. It's been a long process, but he's very relieved to know that he will not have to violate um, his conviction, choose between his convictions and his family business because um, that's a price no one should have to pay. And Rachel Tibben is an attorney uh, who represented the uh, same-sex couple uh, who uh, she said, you know, this is just... Uh, it, it, <laughs> It treats us, again, still treats us like second-class citizens. The Supreme Court said, uh, we're, we're just going to give you marriage light. We're going we're gonna to give you skim milk marriage, uh, as Justice Ginsburg called it, right? Your marriages aren't really equal. Uh, your families aren't really equal. They're only equal if other people are comfortable with them. But if other people are uncomfortable, you're, you're not protected. Yeah. Right. Uh, very good point. And so it's a, it's a dis- disappointing decision, I think. It could have been a lot worse, but it's still not good. And it just uh, really doesn't resolve the issue at all, which means more of these cases are going to come up until the court says clearly, look, you can't refuse service to African-Americans. You can't refuse service to Latinos. You can't refuse, re- refuse service to Jews. You can't refuse service to LGBTQ Americans. End of story. Period. You can't do it. And the Bible has nothing to do with it. The yeah. Constitution is what we count on. The Constitution is what we lean on, what we're built on, not the Bible. I mean, I know there are a lot of libertarians out there who are reprehensible people who uh, who will make the argument that, like, oh, this is a private business. They should be able to operate their business however they want. I saw a lot of that yesterday on, on Twitter and, and all that. But just you, – you, it just doesn't work that way. No, no. It just does not work that way. No. Imagine if there was a no, Muslim, and we've been we've been baker. over that. Yeah. I mean, it's established. Yeah. Imagine if there was a Muslim baker, and there mm-hmm. was a Christian wedding, and they said, "Hey, we want you to make our cake." And the Muslim goes, "No, no, we don't agree with that." 
we, for religious reasons, we're not going to bake your cake. The religious right would lose their minds. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. No, absolutely. Uh, the big issue uh, today on the uh, Robert Mueller front, um, uh, by the way, just very quickly, is the White House now admitting, now admitting uh, that it was Donald Trump himself who dictated that famous memo on Air Force One coming back from Europe. Uh, that the meeting at uh, Trump Tower called by his bro- uh, his son, uh, Donnie Jr., was all about uh, adoption and had nothing to do with the election. Of course, we know that was wrong. The meeting was called for uh, the purpose of getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. Uh, but who wrote that statement? For a year, the White House has been saying, we don't know who wrote it, but Donald Trump, the president, had nothing to do with it. Now the White House is admitting uh, that they lied for a whole year. It was Donald Trump who dictated that statement. But Rudy Giuliani, uh, the president's attorney yesterday, last night on the debut show, first show of Chris Cuomo's new evening show on uh, CNN, uh, Chris, I mean, uh, Rudy Giuliani saying, no, it wasn't a lie. It was just a mistake. Why do you believe that the White House team slash the Trump legal team before Rudy Giuliani why do you think they chose to lie about his role in drafting this statement about Trump Jr.'s <laughs> meeting with the Russians? Chris, you, you think maybe somebody could have made a mistake? <laughs> it's a lot of why mistakes. Is it always, a lot of why, mistakes. Why is it always that somebody, you think Jay Sekulow lied? Maybe he just got it wrong. Like, like I've gotten, I got a few things wrong at the beginning of the investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a mistake. That's all. <laughs> it was a lie on the part of the president, a lie on the part of Donnie Jr., a lie on the part of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a lie on the part of Jay Sekulow, and now a lie on the part of Rudy Giuliani. All right, enough about that political stuff for a while here. As we promised, Emily Atkin joining us from New Republic. A little problem with Uber this morning, huh? Yeah, oh, but. my God. The traffic in D.C. is insane right now. Uh, well, Caps fever. That's what's going on. It's Caps fever. They're yeah, still but... out in the streets. That's right. Maybe celebrating the win last know, night. Really, yeah. Just hockey players driving around yeah. road rage in the morning. Yeah. Well, or it could be all of those eagles who are driving around because uh, they're not going to the White House, <laughs> right? Yeah. They got nowhere else to go. <laughs> or you know what? It could be um, some employees from the EPA who are out looking for mattresses for. Um, for Scott Pruitt. There's so many mattresses out there and so yeah. little time. <laughs> What's the latest on Scott Pruitt? You've been following this. Yeah, of course. Um, well, everyone's all up in arms about Mattress Gate because, I mean, the real story is... <laughs> <laughs> mattress Gate. Mattress Gate. Got a, got a name for it, Well, right. there was, you know, soundproof security booth gate. Um, now there's Mattress Gate. So right. there, there's probably so a bunch ho- in between. So this whole series of things that we've talked about where Scott Pruitt really taking advantage of his office and spending all kinds of taxpayer dollars for this huge private, or not not private, but security squad that no other EPA director has had uh, with all those agents and all those cars, the soundproof telephone booth that he built, all this travel on private planes and charter planes and, and this $50 $50 condo that he here, had here in Washington, where they had these hearings on Capitol Hill. And now this late, but it keeps, stuff keeps coming out, Well, right? the story isn't the mattress. The mattress is just like a fun, almost little... Well, for people who don't know, what is the story of the mattress, right? The story, the story of the mattress is that he had his uh, scheduling director at the EPA, so an official EPA position that 
you know, taxpayer dollars pay the salary of this employee to do official EPA business. And she admitted uh, in a congressional investigation into Scott Pruitt that she was doing personal tasks for Scott Pruitt, such as helping him find an apartment uh, to live Mm. in when he was here and helping him find a mattress for that apartment. And the story that everyone's talking about is that uh, he had her call the Trump Hotel and ask if they had any old mattresses that he could use because they're really nice mattresses. They go for like $17,000 for, you know, a a king mattress, Mm -hmm. $1,300 for a full or something like that. So they're nice. And he was looking for for deals, for used hotel mattresses. (laughs) It's so weird. First of all, because a hotel just opened like a year and a half ago, right? Yes. So it's not like that they would have a lot of, I don't know how often... Mattresses, I mean, hotels turn over mattresses. I don't mean literally turn them over, but <laughs> get new mattresses. But I would imagine they last more than a year. I, I'd like to think so. Don't you think? Unless they were soiled in some way. Oh, don't go there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't Given go there what we know about Donald go Trump and hotel rooms. I already went there earlier in the show. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, I didn't yes. realize. I said I would not buy a mattress from a Trump hotel because who knows who was on it and what they did on it. But here's what I think some people are confused about because the $50 a night condo, right? People are like, well, that's cheap, right? And a used hotel mattress, people are like, well, that's also inexpensive. So what's all this about him buying expensive things, but then also buying, looking for really cheap things? And what I think the difference is, is that Scott Pruitt has really expensive taste and he appears to have no problem spending taxpayer money on expensive things. But when it comes to his own money, Good which point. is – that's what he, – he's not spending taxpayer money on his rent. He's not spending taxpayer money on his bed. That's his money. Um, on the flights, on the security, all that's taxpayer money. And so that's the difference between these two mm. things. Yeah. You know, um, I, I just think if you were – if you or I, right, figured we just moved to town – Done a lot of money. We wanted to furnish our place, and you're looking for some used furniture. There are places to go where you can buy used furniture. I would not think of a five star hotel as the first place to go to look for a cheap used mattress. It's a really weird situation, too. I mean, it's one of those. It's one of those things where it's like you. When well, let's call the Waldorf Astoria. <laughs> but let's, this is maybe what, they this have is a, what you get when you have Trump in the White House. This very unique situation of having this, you know, business mogul so to speak, in the White House that has all these conflicts of interest. And everyone was wondering, you know, how is that going to materialize? And it's materializing in some, you know, blatantly corrupt looking ways, but also just some really strange looking ways, like mm-hmm. an EPA administrator looking for a mattress. Uh, so as a science reporter for New Republic, um, should I be aware of taking, beware of taking Ambien because it might make me do some really <laughs> send some weird tweets out in the middle of the night? Uh, yeah, you should, actually. I mean, I know that the meme after Roseanne was sending racist stuff was that she was like, I was Ambien tweeting, and people yeah. were like, Ambien can't make you racist. Well, it's like, Ambien can't really make you racist, but it can make you say some some dumb stuff. Uh, if you happen to be a racist already. If you happen to be a racist already. I mean, yeah. you could definitely go down a rabbit hole with this, because I've done, you know, I've done stories before on like the in embedded racism in your brain that is like there from like tribal instincts and like neurologists have proven that um you know people of a certain skin color 
will have different reactions to seeing fingers pricked of like their skin color versus other people's skin color. But that can be unlearned behavior, but tends to be embedded in people's brains from an early age. That's it's down a rabbit hole. But yeah. I don't I mean, I don't think that's what happened to Roseanne. No, <laughs> but well, and, and, and they, <laughs> no, and the manufacturer of Ambien came out and said, no, Roseanne, no, there may yeah. be some side effects, but. Well, so actually, so I was talking to some sleep medicine scientists about this, and they were saying, yeah, racism isn't a side effect of Ambien, but inappropriate interaction with the computer is a side effect of Ambien. So he was saying, the scientist I was saying, he works on forensics. He helps investigators with sleep medicine crimes, right? So people who commit crimes when they're on a bunch of Ambien, which happens way more than you think. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. Well, but wait, isn't Ambien... I've never taken it. Me either. Okay. Um, but it doesn't, isn't it supposed to make you sleep? Yeah, but sometimes it Help doesn't. Help you sleep? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I it, just hear it, about people taking it when they get on a plane, right? So yeah. Long plane flight. So they're going. I guess so sometimes <laughs> it. Sometimes you'll take it, and it does all the things that it's supposed to do, that the brain is supposed to do to turn into sleep. So it'll turn off your prefrontal cortex which goes to bed when you go to bed, and then your limbic system stays on when you go to sleep. So, But if you happen to stay awake when your prefrontal cortex goes off, then all your inhibitions and your ability to understand what a um, acceptable social interaction is, all that goes away, and all you have is like your limbic system, which is <clears throat> eat, fierce, and sex, and that's it. Uh, so... That's why people tend to go crazy when they're on a lot of Ambien. Again, not saying that's what happened to Roseanne Barr. I think she probably was just being like, oh, Ambien tweeting. But I thought I would talk to some sleep scientists because yeah. so, millions of people take Ambien in this country. It's like a, a very common drug. Like I said, you've never taken it. I've never taken it. But I thought people would want to know. It, I'm on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. No. It'll take you. <laughs> it is a prescription drug, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Huh? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's widely prescribed. Well, um, I'll tell you one thing. I haven't taken it. I'm not going to take it now after what you just told me, <laughs> but told us, right? No. Well, stay away from people, it. People, it's widely what? prescribed. It's not a benzo, which is, I guess, the crazy sleep uh, sleep sedative drugs. So it's less bad than some drugs, but, you know. Um, totally unrelated issue, but one that you've <laughs> been uh, uh, writing about, and which is a really concern, oh, those of us in this district, uh, with what happened out in Ellicott City, uh, Maryland, yeah. with the with the flooding here, just that it's a small little town. You know, it's a beautiful little town, and that that, that river just raged through it and like wiped it out. But this is like the second time in two years that this yeah. has happened. And we see, but we see more flooding. I mean, just last week was down in North Carolina. You know, uh, what's going on? Well, is this climate change? It's a combination of things. It's a combination of extremely bad luck because bad weather can hit anywhere at any point. Uh, a combination of climate change, which increases the amount of energy in the atmosphere, heat, and then the amount of moisture that can be held in the atmosphere. So we get more extreme rain events when they happen. And then just like really awful city planning that ignores the first two parts. Mm. Um, so Ellicott City is part of a trend of a lot of cities around uh, America, including Houston, which we saw with Hurricane Harvey last year, which just continues to build impervious surfaces over their porous surfaces. So you make a mm. uh, parking lot where there was marshland. So where 
there was an area that could absorb water. Mm-hmm. Now it now it uh, holds water. And I think what people don't realize about that is that if you can't drain out rain during a flash flood, during a flash storm, it only takes maybe three inches of rain from like three inches of rain to six inches of flooding until the water can really start to pick up big objects and then slam them against buildings and create a lot of damage. So drainage is incredibly important. And so the ignoring of those warnings, uh, plus climate change, plus really bad luck, that's what happened. We've seen so many examples of that in California, you know. So then they, the, the people do, okay, then we'll build dikes, right, to protect us. And then, you know, the dikes give way. Exactly. And, yeah, it's just crazy. We are just getting started, uh, Emily, but thanks so much for coming in. <laughs> Get you so back and do all the stuff, tell all the stuff we didn't have time for today. Yeah, okay, right? cool. Okay, and 